4: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. We're the dedicated weekly pod that goes to the heart of all things Southampton Football Club. My name is Ben Stanfield, the original founder of TSP, and nowadays we're Martins Away ad hoc holiday cover. Joining me are the regular trio of Steve Grant, Glenda LaCour and the Daily Echo's chief sports reporter, Alfie House. As always, we're live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. If you're watching along and have the ability to do so, please do get involved and leave your comments or questions in the chat as we go. This podcast is entirely supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without them, we simply couldn't make the show each week. And we have another five new patrons who've joined over the last seven days. So a huge thank you and welcome to Mike E., Spencer Houghton, Gabe Downing, and Brian Cox in our Bobby Stokes tier, and a very big happy birthday to you as well, Brian. Also, thanks to Gavin Ford, who signed up to our Francis Benali tier. Like all our existing global patrons, we truly appreciate your support. And if you're mulling over whether to become a patron or not, I'll have a bit more information on how you can join at the end of the show. Right, coming up on the podcast, it's been a week of ups and almost downs, as Saints won in Devon, but the expected signing of midfielder Flynn was delayed by illness. We'll reflect on yesterday's dramatic 2-1 victory at Home Park. If C.S. Lewis was still alive, then he'd surely be tempted to write a book about this summer's main transfer saga. Yes, involving a variety of twists and turns, the chronicles of Lavia finally came to an end on Friday when Saints midfielder Romeo joined Chelsea. I'll get the guys' thoughts on the deal alongside what else might or should now happen before the transfer window closes. And Queen's Park Rangers are the next championship visitors to the south coast, we'll speak to Ben Platt from the W12 podcast about all things hoops. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 240 of the Total Saints podcast.
0: Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts.
4: This is the Total Saints podcast. Before we get stuck into the Plymouth game, we've had a couple of notes through from the Southern Hemisphere this week that I'd like to mention. The first is from Declan Archer, a Saints fan based down in Melbourne, Australia. Declan writes, I'm 23 and have been a Saints fan since the promotion championship season back in 2011. Most people down here follow a big six club, so I cop a fair bit of stick, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Earlier this year, my fiance and I saved up all our money and headed over to the UK with a trip to watch Saints play, one of the main reasons for our visit. Unfortunately, the game I picked was peak Nathan Jones ball versus Nottingham Forest at home. We traveled all the way across the world and didn't see a win, a draw, a goal, or even a shot on target. Despite that, what mattered most to me that day was being part of a city and club that have given me so much joy, even if I do live thousands of kilometers away. I tune in to TSP every week and it's genuinely something I always look forward to. Keep doing what you're doing, and let's have a great season. Thanks for the message, Declan. Sorry it was such a bad game, although uh, I suppose, as Alfie will agree, it wasn't complete doom and gloom as you did get to enjoy a world-class light show. Anyway, a big thanks to you and all the Saints fans who listen to us in Australia, particularly our Aussie-based TSP patrons. The second message was from even further afield. Paul T got in touch from New Zealand. He says, I'm a long-suffering Saints fan, originally from Fair Oak. Now a regular TSP listener, I'm based in Gisborne on the east coast of New Zealand. I'm wondering if I am your most distant listener. Cheers, Paul. Well, Google tells me that Gisborne is roughly 11,600 miles from Southampton, so there's a high chance you are, Paul. But here's a challenge to our watchers and listeners. If you can be 11,600 miles from Southampton, drop us a note to total Saints podcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Really appreciate the message, Paul. And as it stands at the moment, I think you're our most distant listener. So the award is yours until anyone can beat that. Okay, let's get into the football. Saints' latest championship fixture saw them travel to our favourite UK city, built on a rich maritime history, beginning with the letter P, Plymouth. The the score eventually finishing 2-1 to us. Um, Glenn, what did you make of the 90 minutes? Uh, A cliche game of two halves?
0: It was a little bit. The, the first half was kind of generally poor, I thought. And and Russell Martin said as much after the game that, that there wasn't enough intensity in our um, in our attack and play. I didn't think our defending was too bad. I think we, we'd learnt a few lessons from the uh, the Norwich game and and the the, the centre-backs in particular were uh, definitely being slightly more aggressive whenever the ball got up to the forwards. But our attack and play, we just seemed to be, you know, passing it around for the sake of it. And there didn't seem to be a lot a lot going on. There was a few mistakes as well. Um, having said that, you know, we still should, probably should have worked the goalkeeper more in the first half. Nathan Teller had one really good chance where he kind of scuffed it after um, the ball got played across to him a couple of times. But yeah, nothing much happened in the um, in, in the first half. Plymouth didn't threaten much and, um, I mean, yeah, the the, <laughs> Show Charles got that booking, which was the, the highlight of the first half for me, where he's getting his shirt pulled off his back. So his arms go up in the air, the ball hits it and he gets booked. It's just stunning, stunning refereeing. And I'm sure we'll, get, we'll probably get on to the referee later. You know, sec- second half, we obviously, uh, Russell Martin obviously said something at half time, which made everyone come out with a little bit more intent. Nearly scored straight away through a dozy and then did score through Teller yeah good goal good finish and there's that old cliche about you never never more vulnerable when you've um <laughs> when you've just scored because uh one slip from Ryan Manning and um, that was unfortunate but we still could have done a hell of a lot more to prevent that goal um now now one picking up the runners and the um and the guy scores from virtually in front of the goalkeeper because just no one's no one's doing their job. I mean, I, I give Manning a bit of a pass on that because anyone can slip at any moment. But, the, you know, the other guys have to do better there. After that, again, it was a bit like the Sheffield Wednesday game where you kind of think, yeah, we're going to have chances. I mean, Stewie at the bar and we had that free kick from Armstrong that the keeper made a made a really good save from. There was always this feeling, Plymouth hadn't really done anything, but they, you know, I, I thought they were going to give that penalty. And then you see you see the replay of it and realise it's a horrible dive and it, it should be a three game ban but obviously that, that that doesn't happen apparently he's known for it if you have I did a bit of research after the game to see if he'd been called for it before and if you just type in hardy dive there's <laughs> loads of fans from loads of other teams going back a bit so apparently he always does it and yeah, last well, 97th minute, whatever it was, we get the get the winning goal. Um, I was going to say Adams couldn't miss, but he's missed from closer <laughs> than that before. Uh, so, uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was a deserved win overall. If you if you look at the highlights, really, Argyle didn't really do that much. Mm. They they had a few openings, um, you know, after they pitched the ball off as high up, or um, or even you know on the break, and they they didn't seem to have the quality. Apart from the one goal that they did score, to um to play the right pass, um really disappointed, uh, in a good way in uh, Barley Mumbra on the left wing because he was mm-hmm. terrible, yeah. he and he was one that was um was possibly going to cause us a lot of problems, but he had a terrible game. Uh, but whether it was because he was playing, you know Walker Peters, okay, he didn't cover himself in glory on their goal, but he had a pretty decent game other than that, and and kept him pretty quiet. So uh, so yeah, it was um it was a. A decent all-round performance and uh, and though we left it late, it, I thought it was a deserved win in the end.
4: A bit like um, Glenn Steve, Russell Martin said after the game, I think that he felt Saints deserved to win overall as well. So would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Um, that second half, we were we were the
2: side making the running and let's be honest, the only, uh, the only keeper that's actually been forced into making any sort of a save pretty much in the whole game was theirs. Mm. So yeah, I I I mean from, from what I've from what I've read of Plymouth comments, most of them were, were fairly sort of pragmatic and said, Yeah, we look we probably um Saints probably edged it, but I think Plymouth on that showing will I mean they're not gonna be in any in any danger at the bottom end right. of the table. I wouldn't I wouldn't have no. thought they were they were fine, but just just lacked a little bit of cutting edge. I don't know whether do whether it was a particularly big game for them and and therefore that it just they just didn't, didn't quite make the right decisions. I mean, there, there were two or three occasions where they got into good, really good positions in the first half. I mean, we, one thing that we do that I'm still a little bit baffled by is we defend really narrow, even on the side of the pitch where the ball is. Um, so the fullback is really um, outside of the sort of width of the penalty area and that gives teams so much space to put balls into the box mm-hmm. and there was one that came in where i think the ball was just bad and it and it was probably half a yard behind uh, behind the striker and he couldn't he had to then bring um, take a touch and try and turn and by then you're always going to be getting crowded out um, but there are a couple i think where they worked their way into the box and then they managed to block their own shot <laughs> Um, yeah. So you just you just had players in the in getting in each other's way, getting in the wrong positions, and just didn't seem to be a huge amount of synergy between them, which was odd given that this is largely the same team that got them promoted. So yeah, I think ultimately you probably just put that down to down to us being vaguely competent for once. Um, it seems strange for us to describe our defending as as such, but yeah, I mean we were we were kind of fine. I thought we, while you're always. And you're always worried, given what we've seen over the past couple of years, when we're running back towards our own goal and the opposition's running at us and the ball gets played wide and the guy's in loads of space. You're always absolutely terrified naturally. But actually, it kind of felt a little bit different here because after the first five minutes where they had two or three good balls into the box where... Either there was a desperate clearance or someone managed to get a block in. After that, we we kind of seemed to seemed to get a handle on it and and looked relatively composed. So I mean, I wonder whether that's a that's a positive sign for for the future. But yeah, I mean, yeah you can only beat what's in front of you. And second half, we were as I say, comfortably the better side, made all the chances and up some better finishing would have won it um, much earlier and by by a um, wider margin, I suspect.
4: Alfie, two weeks ago, it felt like we had an abundance of uh, midfielders. Suddenly by yesterday, mm-hmm. with four of them either sold or out injured, we were uh, in a slightly different situation. Um, it obviously meant Russell Martin had to to tweak that a little bit. So what what did you make of the Shay Charles? Obviously him making his first league start. You got Sky Player of the Match, um, Stuart Armstrong, Adam Armstrong. What did you make of that trio?
5: Yeah, well, if you told me a year ago that you'd have a midfield partnership of Adam Armstrong and Stuart Armstrong, <laughs> I would have... You know, I've been very surprised, um, to say the least. Terrified. But, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, like I say, Shay Charles was really good. He you know, he was really impressive against Norwich and he he deserved this start. Uh, not that there was much choice. You know, I think uh, they found out that Will was not going to be available obviously last weekend, but Charlie Alcaraz was available up until um, Wednesday afternoon and then they had the scan on Thursday and he was ruled out. So it left him in a bit of a pickle, you know, with Romeo Lavia and War going as well. Well, you know, I knew that Adam Armstrong would be the obvious choice. Um, I think people were saying that looking at the eleven, it would be a four-four-two, but he's already spoken about Adam Armstrong playing in the playing in the ten, playing in the eight, whatever you want to call it. And you know, let's be fair, he did um, he did unbelievably well, didn't he? You know, I think. Uh, I think he had four shots, most of any Saints players tied with Nathan Teller. Four chances created, same with Nathan Teller. Um, you know, six or seven progressive carries in the middle of the park, which is all he's had all season. He hadn't actually made one before yesterday. I just thought he was ex- excellent. Defensive duels in both boxes and then the 90th minute um, tackle, obviously, as well to to yeah. save the two points. And, you know, playing in the James Walprouse role, he's stepped up to a free kick and I thought he'd hit one as good as Walprouse um, for a little while, but Conor has made an unbelievable save. Crazy, yeah. It was unbelievable, yeah. But, you know, look, it's not... Worth a how bad their wall was for that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, true. It, <laughs> it wasn't really yeah. a wall, was it? <laughs> yeah. But with with the midfield options available, uh, I think that Stuart Armstrong, Shea Charles and Adam marshall they've helped Russell Ryan out there massively. Um, I'd like to think that there'll be Flynn Downs in by next weekend. And maybe we'll see Flynn play slightly further forward and maybe Armour on the wing or up front, depending on what happens with Adams again. But yeah. Yeah, I saw someone say during the week, maybe he's waiting behind Matt Holland in the medical room for a <laughs>
4: medical, so that, that'll mean one to lots of the Saints fans that remember that. But yeah, uh, yeah just, just briefly, Alfie, um, on, on Stuart Armstrong, because I, I think it was maybe the press conference you were at where Russell Martin said, I think, quote, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, sorry, hmm. but he's never seen Stuart Armstrong as a winger. He's always seen him as a centre midfielder, so it already
5: feels like he's kind of made his mind up that that's his best position anyway. And I think he was saying that, um, you know, that's what Stewie wants as well. You know, obviously Russell's seen him play when he was at Rangers, uh, when Stuart was obviously at Celtic and they played together for Scotland and he'd always been a mm. midfielder then. So that's how he'd known that. And I think what I gathered from what Russell was saying is that Stew, you know, one of the reasons he, he felt like he probably wanted to leave the club this summer was to pursue this midfield role, this centrefielder role. And um, yeah, Russell was all behind it. And, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think it was the right thing at first. I always saw him more of a winger as well. I don't know what you, Glenn uh, and Steve, think.
0: Well, it was a Ralph, it was a Ralph Hat thing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was fit, to fit him into the 4 in yeah. he couldn't, yeah. he couldn't play centre midfield in a two. He's just not yeah. disciplined enough to do that. So, so they made him the de facto right winger. And mm. after a while, he, he did a really good job there. And that, that's kind of where he's where he's played for us. Because um, was Ralph the manager when we signed him? I will lose track. I think not. Mark Hughes was there. Mark Hughes yeah. probably was, yeah. But when yes, yeah, because it was that he, summer, he did, wasn't
2: it? Yeah. Because he so, scored, uh, he scored at Fulham, didn't he? Which was Hughes' last away yeah, game, yeah. where he got a volley. So I know
0: he, when he when he I played did. for Celtic, they always kind of played in midfield three, and he played mm. to the left hand side of you know in the centre sort of thing, which is much the same as what he's um, much the same as what he's doing now. So, uh, mm. so no, I think he ended up there simply because Ralph wanted to shoehorn players into the into the full triple two formation. Yeah. And and Steve, another late goal, as we've obviously
4: said to, to win it. I mean, so far this season now in three games, that's what, eighty-seventh minute winner, Sheffield Wednesday, the ninety-seventh the minute penalty against Norwich and then ninety fourth minute against Plymouth, it's it's a good sign, I suppose, for the season ahead that this team's keeping going right to the end.
2: Yeah, I mean I think it's it's one of those where the the players that we've got, because they're coming down from the Premier League, they should Naturally, be better players than the guys that they're coming up against week in week out, and I think as a result, you 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 will eventually grind these teams down. That's that's generally what we're finding. Like Wednesday, they sat in deep and they were they were happy to concede possession for as long as um, as long as we were happy to have it. Plymouth slightly less so. They were they were a little bit more proactive, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a similar thing where you've just got to be patient, and fortunately, we have been. And we've not kind of decided like the Norwich game. It would have been very easy for us to just start lumping the ball into the box in that injury time period. But no, we we know what works best for us, and we've um and we and we kept at it because at the end of the day, there's no point in us lumping the ball in the box for um. I mean, what we got at best a five foot ten centre forward. I mean, Adams is decent in the air, but you can't have him up against two massive centre backs on his own. Yeah, sure, he, he might beat them once in a while but balance of probability is not on your side there so the fact that already the players have been drilled into this system of trusting the I mean I, we're going back to last season and the horrors of uh, trust now, the process that so, so, so. so is, <laughs> is the thing But it, but but when when you've got a process that people have actually seen working yeah then yeah by all means do yeah. it that's mm. that's the key the problem last season was that Ruben Sellers was coming out saying, "Trust the process," and yet we're watching us <laughs> lose every week. How, you, you that was the process. Any, yeah. You, yeah, you can't place any trust in that. Whereas, whereas here we're already seeing results, and we're seeing late results hmm. where we're we're keeping going. And yeah, we sure we have to, we have to use resources off the bench just like every other side. But the resources that we've got are making a difference, and they're they're kind of they're not a huge step down, if, if any at all um we've got a bit of depth in kind of key attacking positions I think it's just yeah I think there's there's a little bit of a little bit of a depth issue elsewhere on the pitch but for the most part we've got options off the bench where we need to kind of force things a little bit and yeah I I think certainly scoring late goals gives you confidence and and you always feel that you can you can go right to the end and and you look at look at how many goals Wrexham are scoring late on like Mm. to Obviously, they're they're constantly in the news. I mean, they scored twice in injury time yesterday to get that ludicrous five-all draw, and and they were doing it all season in the in the national league. When you've got when you've got better attacking resources than than the opposition's defence, then eventually you will you will break through. You've just got to yeah. give it time and and show show a bit of patience and trust that it will it will fall for you eventually. I don't know how was,
5: scientific this is, but Ryan Manning did say to me at Hillsborough after they scored the late winner there that you know uh, Russell Martin's teams do score late goals because if you yeah, dominate the ball six, seven percent of that. the time, yeah. you have more energy than your opponents naturally. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know how scientific yeah. that is, but
0: yeah. and that was one of the things Russell Martin said when he first came in that yeah. you know, it's it's easier to play football when you've got the ball mm-hmm. and you need less yeah. energy to do it. So yeah. I think certainly in the case of the Sheffield Wednesday game and the game against Plymouth. I definitely think that was a case. The Norwich game is slightly different, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, I think that we've definitely worn those teams down. So we were always the more likely to score in the last um, in the last few minutes. Yeah, Glenn, I'm going to ask you about Sam Amo Ameyor in a minute, but uh, oh, just yeah. briefly, just because
4: I, I can see quite a few comments about this Alfie, and uh, there was quite a lot of noise, I think, around Twitter as well. I suppose with Ramon uh, and fit again obviously ryan didn't cover himself in glory with the the fourth goal i think it was at norwich last week slipped yesterday he's also got a couple of bookings and things like that do do you feel like it for him it's just sort of maybe getting used to a bit of a new environment there's you know obviously the team's performing quite well but i suppose in terms of maybe minor negatives it's already it feels like fans are maybe just starting to get a bit a few question marks around him and then, you know maybe it'll just take him a few games to get up to speed with the way the rest
5: of the squad plays so, no, it's a game of opinions, but I, I don't necessarily agree. I, he's made a couple of mistakes, but I actually think that he's been one of the more involved players. If you look at it in terms of passes and touches, he's always on the ball. He's always making things happen. Um, he's he's visibly organising people in front of him as well because he understands the Russell Martin system. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be worried about him. I think he's a good player, and I think a couple of mistakes. Yeah. Perfect.
4: All right. I think that hopefully covers off because I see quite a few comments on that as well. So uh, um, yeah, Glenn, I I wanted to talk to you about Sam. Um, You know, again, there was lots of positives and and we've obviously covered off some of the players. We'll come to our player of the week in a minute, but um, it it felt like, again, for him, you know, a really bright 20 minute cameo. And I I suppose the bigger question that I I had was, you know, 17 years old in a game like that, it's one or it's in the balance. Obviously Sam Madozzi had to go off, but does it sort of, again, reiterate how much confidence Russell Martin and the coaching staff have in him that, even though there's more experience on the bench, he's the first guy they bring on.
0: I, I think very much so. It it says that exactly. They they've obviously recognised there's a there's a real talent there, and I've not seen a game yet, be it a friendly, pre-season or the the Carabao Cup game or any any time that he's come on and played any amount of time where he hasn't been a very positive influence on things. You know, it was him doing the the running that won the corner, and um, you know, yeah. taking players on and stuff like that. And I think I think it's excellent. There's there's a danger of too much too soon. Obviously, I don't want them to put him in the starting lineup yet. I mean, they, but I'm sure that if we you know if we rock up next week and Nathan Taylor and Sam Mardosi are injured, I'm sure he'll play. Mm. But I don't think they do that through choice at this particular moment in time. You know, it's him or Musa Gineppo, isn't it? <laughs> It's no, it's really no, uh, no comparison. I think you know the kid, the kid's obviously got something, and it'll be interesting to see um, what happens if he gets really whacked by someone. But he's mm. he's been kicked a couple of times in the in these games, and he just seems to seems to get up. But he just it's it's slightly terrifying. Just look at the, I mean, he looks like he weighs about seven stone. <laughs> he, he's tiny, you know. Yeah. He really does look very slight. So uh, so hopefully he can. Um, he can stand up to the kicking that he'll inevitably inevitably get at Mm. at some point. But uh, no, I hope, um, I hope they keep using him in sort of like 20 minute injections off the bench. And uh, cause it, it certainly helps us. And it's, it's another thing that, you know, in the, in the last knockings of a game to have a, a young, young kid come on, on the wing, it, I know they Plymouth substituted their fullback mm. actually, but they had a they had a new guy on. But normally that wouldn't be the case. So you'll you'll be up against tyre players. I think that's that's ideal for him at, at his age and the, this stage of his development. And uh, yeah, long may it continue with him making the impact that he has so far.
4: Yeah. No, good stuff. All right. Well, um, just before we um, finish up with Alfie and doing the player of the, the week, I wasn't necessarily going to talk about it, but Glenn did bring it up. And I know you guys were talking about it a couple of weeks ago about referee and Steve and obviously how quickly it would take for standards to sort of slip and yellow cars that we were getting at, uh, you know, Hillsborough. And then I obviously saw Bobby Madley's fantastic sending off the following week at Rotherham and things like that as well. I mean, what what did you make of the ref without going into loads of detail? Because we won the game and I suppose we should look to move on. But just in terms of, you know, the the sort of inconsistencies, I guess. I think, I mean, ultimately, let's, let's let's be fair. The big decisions
2: he got right. He gave the dive, which I don't think. I mean, if you were watching live on TV, I think most people would just say, "Well, that's a penalty, isn't it?" And it's only when you've seen it from a couple of angles, from kind of behind, behind or in front, where you can clearly see there's there's no no contact, and he's clearly tried to tried to kind of initiate it. And he's given given us the free kick on the edge of the area where Armstrong pulls out the um, that great save from uh, mm. from their keeper. And to be honest, I think those are the kind of the two only the two really big decisions. I, I mean, I don't think I mean you're never getting uh, a shirt pull on Shay Charles in the month of Sundays. Um, that one where he's got booked, and I think if he's not seen the shirt pull, then. Then the only thing you're seeing is a very obvious deliberate handball, so I think and, and to
4: be fair if, to him, he was kind of behind it. I mean, I know I am sticking yeah. up for referees here, but he, you know th- that play was behind him, you know he was yeah. behind him, I thought yeah
2: yeah, i mean i I, I mean, as I say i uh, I mean I always sort of more than happy to pile in on on certain <laughs> referees when when they when they are terrible, but i yeah i I didn't see didn't really see anything from from the guy yesterday to. Um, to kick up a fuss about the the amount of time added on was was probably right. Obviously, bearing in mind when we scored, there was probably at least a minute of celebrations. Yeah. So you're going beyond the the already allotted amount to a certain extent anyway.
4: Um, so to pick up all the bottles, didn't they that have been thrown at Shay Adams? And
2: yeah, I mean, why why would you go and celebrate in that corner? I don't, I
4: don't know. I don't, Last don't minute goal really like that. that. But, yeah. <laughs> but
2: each their own. But yeah, it's yeah. I mean, the, the ref was fine, I thought, and it's about time. Because we've had some some very odd ones so far, but at the end of the day, if, as long as they're consistent throughout the game, I don't think most fans will have too many complaints. Obviously, you 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 whinge at big decisions that are maybe fifty fifty that go against you, but um, there weren't any there weren't any obvious ones that I thought. Even even those sort of little breakup fouls that everyone always gets really annoyed about, he was fairly even-handed on them. Some, most of them, he'd kind of let it flow for the most part. But let's be honest, both teams were kind of desperate to give the ball back to each other at times. It was um, especially the first half. It was it was quite low quality first half. Um, yeah. And actually, we probably could have done with the ref breaking it up a little bit more. Some nonsense fouls to get yeah, <laughs> get us to settle down a little bit. But no, he was, he was fine.
4: Perfect. All right. Well, before we do our Player of the Week then, Alfie, one more sort of final question. Russell Martin afterwards also said about, um, you know, he's he's starting to feel, quote, that connection between the supporters and the team and the connection between him and the and the supporters. Can you feel that as a, as a journalist? You obviously go to lots of the games. You see him out the games, in the games. You know, you start to feel that connection as a, I don't want to say outsider looking in because you're more than that, but you know what I mean.
5: Yeah, I, can't, I don't know what you mean. Yeah, I mean. Don't get me wrong. I'm in the press box. And I'm probably making a little bit more noise than I'm. I'm meant to be sometimes because <laughs> the games are exciting. The way they've gone in the last few weeks as well has been brilliant. But I think it all started with um, with Reading. Really, you know, the the reception that Russell Martin got at Reading, having not even kicked the ball in England, was was just mm. unbelievable. You know, the three three and a half thousand fans, every it was, um, you know, singing E I E I O, which is a, a brilliant chant that we've got back um, as a result of relegation. Um, I know it's everyone's cup of tea. I just, yeah, the connection's is 100 there, and he's he's a genuinely honest bloke. I think he he gives good answers. He he says what the fans want to hear, and I think yeah. he means it, which is a yeah. difference as well. Um, so yeah, there's no reason not to enjoy it. And uh, he he is he is somebody who's a, who's about connections, and he wants to. You know, as I've mentioned before, Matt Gill is always there um, in his in his press conferences and in his interviews for some reason just stood there loitering sort of behind us. But you know, he's getting him more involved now. Everyone's having a chat, and yeah, it's it's nice at the moment. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah,
4: good stuff. All right. Well, in terms of player in the week, then it feels like we've got Adam Armstrong in there. I'm with you, Alfie. I thought he was hmm. absolutely fantastic second half, both ends of the pitch. Shay Charles. It feels like we've got in. Obviously, based on it being his, his debut and doing a good performance. Is there anyone else that you guys want to nominate before we have a chat to Ben from the QPR podcast? Is it a two horse um, race? I, I, yeah, I think it's a two horse race. Really. Yeah. If I was if
0: I was going to say anyone, I'd say Gavin Bazunu Sim- yeah. simply yeah. because he's had a decent game. He hasn't made any sort of mistake he stood up well in the last couple of minutes when when the ball was sort Mm -hmm. of flying into our box a few times so if I was going to um, pick anyone else it'd be him
4: there we go brilliant right so our players of the week is Shea Charles, Adam Armstrong, Gavin Bazuno. we'll get the social media post out and you guys can vote over the next 24 hours to uh, see who you'd like to get
0: in there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care
3: Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18
4: plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Next up at St Mary's is the visit of Queen's Park Rangers, And to help preview that, we're delighted to welcome another chat with a cool first name. It's Ben Platt from the W12 podcast. Ben, welcome to the Total Saints
1: podcast. Hello. How are we doing? You OK?
4: Yeah, we're good, thank you. Yeah, we're uh, enjoying a couple of wins, which is very un- uh, unlike us uh, over the last sort of 12, 18 months. But uh, um, on the, the the sort of flip side of that, you guys have obviously lost 1-0 to it, which uh, yesterday it's it's yeah. one win and two defeats in the league so far this season. What have you made of QPR's start?
1: It's difficult because uh, we had a really poor start to last year, the end of last year. As you know, we were top in October. Uh, we were flying. Mickey Bill was... You know, we we were the we we were on course to do really well, and then, as the season went on, we got injury after injury. He left. We had Neil Critchley. We had Gareth Ainsworth. we had a really, really, we won three out of our last twenty-four, Um, which is mad, really, when you think about it. Think about those numbers. It's really mad.
0: Sounds like us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> We yeah, didn't yeah. win three, Glenn. <laughs> no, but we did
1: that in the championship, right? So. Um, yeah. coming into the season Gareth had a massive job he, you know we we spent when you in the championship you've got the FFP and it's all about the you know the three years and not losing a certain amount of money and we're in the we're in a bit of a, a year where we've overspent and the easy money's gone so um, it's going to be really tough for him so we all do that you know coming into this season so I think you know, not going down is is is, is it, you know it, it's one of them. Isn't it? You know, you don't want to think about that, but that's really what what we need to make sure we don't do. So going back to your question, you know, beating Cardiff last week was really good. We should have won Saturday. You know, anybody watching it, you know, we sh- we 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 hit the post twice. We missed literally the biggest open goal we'll ever see. But when things aren't going your way, I guess that's how it is. Uh, we had loads of injuries as well. You know, we had three players going mm. off injured so it's frustrating really but we've got a lot of players coming back as well we've got cole back um, we've got steve cook begovic yep. so we've got some real experience in there we just we just haven't got a lot on top at the moment we've got Lyndon dykes off injured we've got a young lad called um sinclair armstrong i don't know if you've heard of him but he's he's really mm-hmm. good but again he's he went off so we don't know if his cramp or injury or what so you don't really know what you're gonna get from qpr and i mean that because we could quite easily lose four nil but win one or
4: two nil. In, in terms of open goals Ben you obviously haven't seen Shea Adams at Wolves last season mm. but uh, <laughs> have um, you but, not seen but, our yeah. open goal
1: last week you seen, not
4: you not yet it if, if it beats that then fair play but uh, uh, yeah so uh, um look I mean you, you mentioned Azmir Begovic there Steve Cook Jack Colbeck Lyndon Dykes obviously you know quite a lot of experience in the side those players that he's brought in over the summer did it feel like the QPR squad needed a bit of experience in goal, or were they just players that were available and he obviously felt he wanted to bring in
1: Good question. Uh, we didn't lack quality last year. We had um, a lot of really good loans. We had Tyler Roberts, Ethan Laird, Timmy Irabudem from Aston Villa. So we had some real, real good loan players in and we had a lot of youth already here and it just wasn't working. We, we'd we go 1-0 down and, and you, that would be it. Honestly, most games, especially the second half of the season, we would just, it, it, it wouldn't end well. Yeah. So we definitely needed experience. So I think he's done right in that and, you know, Steve Cook is. I mean, the, the players we brought in will definitely make us better, but it kind of feels a bit of a relegation battle that we're in, you know, and, and yeah. which is annoying. But that's that. that that's I think. And Gareth Ainsworth. I don't think you all know. He, traditionally, is a bit of a, a long ball merchant, but he's he's realised that won't work with the players. We've still got Elias chair, and Chris Willick, who were really good in this league, so he changed it the last couple of weeks after the Watford mm-hmm. defeat first day of the season, and um, yeah, we got a good win at Cardiff, and we and we weren't too bad um, yesterday. So um, I don't know, it's weird, isn't it? You, I feel like we're kind of positive, but. You know, yeah, Saturday.
5: Way. Ben, yeah. with everyone, with the way everyone was talking at the start of the season about QPR, yep. and uh, and I watched the Gareth uh, Ainsworth interview, and he said that we're only three points off top after you lost on the opening day. I couldn't <laughs> believe that you actually then went on to win a game uh, at Cardiff. What, what was the game plan at Cardiff? How did the goals come about? So he, he changed it.
1: Like I said, he, he's very much a big man up top, keep it compact, and and, and um, it wasn't why it didn't work at Watford. We obviously got thrashed. So what he did was he he, he said and he admitted that. He played to our strengths a bit more with with the little nippy players that we've got like Willock and Chair. We've got Richards, and he changed it. And, and We played three at the back, three. It was weird. It was kind of kind of four when we had the ball, but went to five when we didn't have the ball. And, and Cardiff, I don't think we're expecting that. So it meant that we we played really well in the first half. We should have been three or four nil up. We got the second goal. And the problem we've got at the moment is is that we seem to hit a brick wall. When it comes to 60th minute, 65th minute, and mm. this happened, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it kind yeah, yeah. exactly, it kind of happened. It happened yesterday. We were brilliant for the first 70 minutes, 65 minutes. Mm. A couple of injuries. Everyone gave everything, and then yeah, we lost one nil, and it didn't really look like we were going to come back with Lyndon Dykes because we didn't have a lot up top. So um, so yeah.
4: I've just seen a great comment here from Barry that says Begovic gives QPR a goal threat. For those that, you may not know this, Ben, but Asmir Begovic once scored against us at Stokes. So uh, from one end of the pitch to the other, it flew <laughs> over Arthur Boric's head and went in. So you never know. But uh, Glenn, I mean, with all due respect to, to QPR, I mean, if we want to, to do well this season, then this is a game we need to be winning, isn't it, Glenn?
0: Yeah, I mean, we. Um, I'll, I'll say the same as I said before we played Norwich last week. Well, obviously Norwich are, are probably fancied to do a bit better than QPR, but... We have been so bad at home for the last four or five years and it has to start somewhere. If you look back to our season when we got promoted out of this league in 2012, we actually won our first 10 home games. Mm-hmm. And we won sixteen overall out of twenty-three. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of if we're serious about getting promoted this year, then that's the sort of thing we have to do. Yeah, I know we've won the first two away from home, but you know, there's got to be there's got to be a point that we start start behaving like you're supposed to behave and, and get most of your points at home. And and this has to be, you know, the first one of those. You know, on the face of it, and even with what Ben said there, we should certainly be too strong for QPR, but we have to get we have to go out there, do a professional job. Mm. and 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 get the job done. You know, I don't have I don't have too much to 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 say other than that. QPR will obviously have a game plan. Whether that'll you know, I mean I'm expecting teams to come to St Mary's and try and try and sit tight, but whether whether QPR have got the players to do that, I don't know. It it sounds like, you know, that hasn't necessarily worked when they've tried to do that this season. So but you would like to think that if they if they come and try and play, they'll they'll give us problems. But mm. You know we should be better at that style of game than than they are, especially at home. But uh, I'm 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 optimistic because the you know the atmosphere in the crowd was was very good in against Norwich, even though even though we went behind three times, and um, and the players have shown already this season that they've they've got the spirit to get the job done. But this mm. this this should be a different type of game to the Norwich one. But mostly we've got to prove to ourselves, as much as anything, that that we can win at home. Mm. And go on a, a bit of a run of home games. I mean, I don't know if you know Ben. Or we only won twice at home the whole of last season. Yeah, it was just just shocking. So, uh, yep. and the previous seasons haven't been much better than that. So it, we, um, we we we're still really not one need... at home this season. Well, <laughs> no, we we just need, we need to start. It needs yeah. to be a start. Against well, QPR,
1: we actually. we haven't we've won one game in fifteen at home. Just to let you know. So I sort of you know. That's terrible, it's isn't on, it? On a par with us. Yeah, think Yeah. <laughs> uh, so QPR are better away from home, so you're going to get a better QPR mm. away from home than you would do yeah. at home. That's mm. not to say then mm. we'll do anything, but I think that um, the first goal was really key. In you know, the mm-hmm. game, I think if you get the first goal, we're in a bit of trouble. But I think if we get the first goal, you know what I mean, we, yes. we sit back and ten men behind the ball, and it's up to you then to to do what you need to do.
4: Yeah. And, and Steve, just, you know, from a Saints point of view as well, I mean, it could, and we'll come on to talk about transfers after we've let Ben go, but obviously it could be quite a, a roller coaster week of ins and outs potentially and things like that as well. So just that aside, is it really just about Saints continuing the momentum so far?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is, let's be honest, this is the first game in the league this season where we are absolutely expected to Pressure's win.
4: on us, isn't it? Absolutely.
2: Sheffield Wednesday away, Plymouth away, newly promoted sides. There's always a banana skin there. There's always that mental sort of fortitude thing i are do your players have the bottle to stand up in what's likely to be a f- relatively hostile atmosphere and so far yeah um the answer is yes uh, for those away games now home game against against a side that the bookies reckon are going down and i mean if you if you ju- if you'd asked any qpr fan half an hour into the season they would have absolutely agreed with you whether their performances since Half time at Watford has has kind of changed minds. Who knows? But they're they're clearly better organised than they were that afternoon, based on performances and results since. But yeah, it's it's one of those where can we sort of ignore the noise, if you like, of of any off field stuff that's going on with us transfer transfer wise. Can we just get get on, walk over that white line, and just get the job done? And I mean, as I say, Gillingham aside, where we basically put. Put a reserve team out almost, almost with a sort of view to actually losing. Um, we, yeah, I mean the the games, the games that that's, we've that's we've played, you're talking about. Yeah, the the, the games that we've played um, in the league, the attitude has been has been spot on. So as long as as long as the attitude in a game where we're playing against against a side who theoretically are going to struggle um, all season, as long as the attitude there is is as good. Then, then, yeah, I'm, I'm confident. If we, if we think that we're going to turn up and it's just going to happen, then, then that's problems. And I mean, ordinarily, a Gareth Ainsworth, like Gareth Ainsworth's Wickham team would have been a horrible side to play against in, in this situation.
1: We won't be like that, mate. We the QPR then, won't yeah, be. This, this, like this
2: QP, that. Yeah, this QPR team doesn't have the same, the same kind of. Attributes as as a side, you don't have a load of big ugly players who aren't particularly interested in playing football. You've got some, you've got some good players in there. Ilyas Chair played in the world, played in the World Cup um, less than a year ago, so it's it's not like you're a bunch of park players. They're they're they've been a good team. They were top of the, as you said earlier, they were top of the league in October, yeah. and I mean whatever happened, I mean Christ knows how how. Um, everything kind of fell apart so so rapidly. There, I mean, obviously a, a multitude of of things went on, but there there's still very very clearly some good players there that are more than come to win the championship. Probably one or two that could play at a higher level. So it's not going to be easy. We've got to go out there and and do it properly.
4: Yeah, just just before we get some score predictions, then Ben, uh, I think it's it's coming up for almost a, a decade now since QPR have been back in the championship, and if my research was right, I don't think you finished higher than ninth. Uh, during that time so obviously it's been quite a a sort of turbulent period on and off the pitch so in terms of long-term strategy say maybe the next three to five years you know what what is the plan for QPR now obviously they've got a a guy in who used to play for the club as manager you're talking about some of the young players is that kind of the philosophy they want to try and follow now?
1: Yeah it's really difficult because that ninth place that you're talking about was literally two years ago (laughs) um, which was under Warburton so you know the feeling was that we could really kick on and hence the amount of money that we spent in the last two years to do that Um, but in the championship, when you're not got parachute payments, the FFP really kicks in, and we're in our third year, yeah. and that has really impacted us. and meant that we we can't spend any money. We're dying to sell a player. I I, I don't know, and I hope Chair and are here come Saturday, but they might not be. Um, you know, Chair is wanted by Leeds, Leicester. I don't know who else, but he he may not be here. If he is, great. Yeah. So it's difficult for us a little bit because we're hampered by FFP when you're in this league for a certain amount of years, we've been in this league for like 10, nine, 10 years, I think. So, um, since mm. then, so, um, it, and we spent quite a lot last, the two years on wages, um, so, and, and, and some real big loans that, that, that we thought would kick us on, but they haven't. So that, that's basically where we are, mate, really. And, and, and um, We'll give it a good go, and there'll be a big crowd, QPR crowd, there on Saturday as well. So, and we'll give it a go, and if we can get the lead and 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 try and hold on, I think we will. But yeah. you know, you, you know,
4: you've got a good record at St Mary's as well. I know, yeah. yeah, I've yeah. been there the last few times. Although we beat them last time, Graziano mm-hmm. Palace scored, didn't he? So, uh, well, let, let's after all that, then Ben, let's get. A, it sounds like it's going to be a moderately positive prediction from you here, the way it's going. So, what what's your <laughs> score prediction? Um,
1: I, I keep saying this every week, and it sounds really. It could even be a three <laughs> or four nil, but we could yeah. could. Nick it nil one, but I, I think maybe maybe a two one Saints, but you yeah, know two one Saints. all yeah. right.
4: well we'll we'll definitely take that. But uh, Steve, what do you reckon?
2: Um, if we if we get get an early goal, then yeah, I mean you you can kind of draw a score line out out of a out of a hat. I think it could be anything. Um, you never quite know how how a team like in QBR situation will react, but I think let's be honest, we should have enough, mm. and we should have enough to do it comfortably. I mean, this could very easily come back and bite me on the ass, but <laughs>
5: that's
2: that's that's what social media is like, and and, and we'll we'll get all the we'll get all the um, the memes will be out, yeah, yeah, all the all the memes, all the engagement. Um, but three nil.
1: I always feel like a that's Russell Martin sorry. team will concede. That's my positive. I've said mm. it. We'll say it on our podcast tomorrow. I always that's, feel like,
2: that's, yeah, that's. That's possibly the uh, the one mistake on my part. We haven't. When was the last time we kept a clean sheet? <laughs> oh, about nineteen eighty four? Something oh, like that. It, was that, it was that Leicester game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was it. So, yeah. 10, well, I'm with
4: I'm with Ben. I'm uh, I'm with Ben. I'm going for a
0: two-one Saints win, which is very unlike me. But uh, Glenn, what do you reckon? Uh, we haven't got a clean sheet in us. Said that last <laughs> week, and I'm I've been proved correct. So QPR will undoubtedly score, but hopefully it will be a, a consolation at the end and not at the start. So I'll go. to us. 3-1 to us. Brilliant. All right. Alfie, to finish things off, what
4: are
5: you going for? Yeah, I think I'm going to back Steve on this occasion. I'm going to go 2-0 Saints. I think the clean sheet is, yeah. is coming eventually. It has to be, surely, at some point. No, so we'll it, isn't. it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys will be spending 20 minutes, all 20 minutes next week, talking about the clean sheet. So, yeah, yeah, so what, brilliant what I will fit. say
1: is, sorry, lads, I will say, we have, we, at the moment, I'm not too sure we've got a striker fit. <laughs> I don't
3: know. That won't be a problem.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> just you just you put guys, play, like, a big centre-half like out to, front. play games in in relation to, like, he'll say that someone's injured or got a niggle and then you mm-hmm. won't see him for months, right? So we've got Lyndon Dykes out injured. I don't know how long he's out. We won't say. Um, Armstrong, who was mad of the match on Saturday, even Ipswich fans were saying how good he was. He went off injured and we don't have anyone else. <laughs> so, yeah.
4: Well, there we go. But, uh, no, Ben, thanks for so much coming on and having a, a chat about QPR. And obviously, Saturday aside, wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season. Hopefully we can get you on when we're up at uh, Loftus Road later on in the season.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, all the best. Obviously, Brilliant. off Saturday. Top but... man,
4: nice to meet you cheers guys Thanks Thanks for mate. coming on cheers that was ben platt from the w12 qpr podcast um okay to finish up then a, a few bits and pieces conscious of time i'll try and keep it to the ones that feel the most important um steve i, I mentioned at the start about the the romeo lavia transfer finally being concluded i think we were probably all pleased he didn't go to liverpool um saints agreeing a, a circa 58 million deal um are you, are you satisfied that it's finally resolved given all the sort of media circus around it and more importantly i suppose from a saint's point of view happy with the eventual terms? Uh yes and yes. Yeah,
2: I think the I mean the fact that we stuck to our guns said that said basically what, what money we were after. And then as soon as there were two teams bidding against each other, suddenly the money goes up. We've played that really well, I think. And um and obviously even more satisfying that it's ended up with Liverpool having nobody in midfield all of a sudden. <laughs>
4: Especially now um, McAllister got sent off as well. Yeah,
2: and I mean Chelsea Chelsea are quite happily Quite happily buying basically everybody, so I don't even know how how much how many how much sort of game time Lavia is going to get. I mean, based on today against oh. West Ham, actually <laughs> should probably be starting next week. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, you never quite know with um, with Chelsea what's what's going to happen. But from our perspective, good to get it finally sorted. It's it's dragged on a little bit, but I think the end kind of justifies the means. I think mm. I think the the financials that we're getting from it has justified waiting those two months when we yeah. could easily have taken, taken the first offer that came in, in what middle of June, just to kind of satisfy, um, satisfy the player and get it and get it sorted and not have to worry about it for, for any longer. But I mean, I think we've probably added an extra 20 million onto that first fee, first offer, yeah. haven't we, I think. So yeah, it, I think that's, that speaks volumes. I think we've, we've done, done very well there. And I mean, good luck to the kid. He, I think, I mean, in that environment, I think he's going to need it. But mm-hmm. from what we saw last season, I think he's I think he's up up to the
4: task. Just now a case of him uh, proving it. I think we'd all echo that, Steve. Absolutely. And uh, Alfie, there's, there's been a lot of chat over the past few days in terms of other outgoings. I think the first comment I saw tonight from Mark was about worried about the 15 million Shea Adams bid and all that sort of thing. Um, obviously, Nathan Teller to buy Leverkusen, which was a, a little bit out of left field. There's chat today, I think, about clubs looking at KWP which is no surprise and um, you know I, I know you won't necessarily know everything that's going on but in terms of those players you know what's the latest you're hearing or particular scenarios and and I suppose how does that then determine what Saints need to do now probably in the next 10 to 12 days
5: yeah it's a weird one I mean let's start with Che because um you know, 12, 15 million, 50 million at the moment doesn't seem like a great offer for him, really. I think, uh, although I, I flip-flopped on Chardins myself a load, and I'm sure a load of people have as well, because you know, his misses last season were <laughs> ultimately one of the reasons why the club was relegated, if we're being totally mm-hmm. honest. Yep. However, he scored three and three this season. You know, he was averaging two goals every 90 minutes, effectively. And 50 million is not that much money when you compare it to the 150 million that you win by getting promoted. He, is, he has got a year left on his contract. I mean, I don't know what the latest is, but as of about five o'clock, a deal was very much not agreed. As of mm. about five o'clock today, but you know the, the whole closing in jargon. I don't know exactly what that means, but it could mean that you know they're, they're they're pretty close to an agreement on that. They'd have to buy a striker, and they will buy a striker. It's just is he going to be as good as Che Adams? You know, mm. you can't guarantee that. He might be loads better. You can't guarantee that, but they have to buy somebody. It has to be a big money signing, and you have to back Russell Martin in that regard. Carl Walker Peters, obviously, we know that clubs are, are really into him. There's loads of clubs that, that want him, but no one's made a bid as of yet, I don't believe. I think Russell Martin has said as much. So, be interesting to see what happens with him. And who's the third player? I've totally forgotten. Nathan, uh, Nathan Teller. Teller, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, By Leverkusen, I told you yesterday they've been sniffing around him for a while, um, but the an original 80 million euros, whatever it was, suggests that's not going to be enough. You know, that's never going to be enough. Mm. Um, but I think that he's probably one of those players that, even if you get 20, 20 million offered, a little bit more, which he's probably not actually worth. I still don't see the point of selling him. You know, Mm -hmm, I think that Wilcox has done really well to get the fees that he's got out of Lavia. Um, You know, to an extent, War Prowse as well. I think there's a luxury now where they should be able to tell these players that, you know, sorry, you're going to have to stay even if you're not Mm -hmm. worth as much as you're being offered. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a big week for Southampton. They'll get Flynn Downs in. I think they'll get another midfielder in as well. I don't know who, obviously. Um, But, yeah, I think they need, to make, they need to spend some money. There's no point in having £140 million in the bank and, and balancing the books if you don't buy anybody. hundred percent.
4: Firstly, appreciate the transparency, Alfie. Thanks very much. And Glenn, I suppose that's the concern, isn't it? You know, obviously we want to see the club being ambitious still. Yeah, you know, it's important to get good money for these players that wanted to move on. And we totally understand that. But, you know, there's a lot of season ticket holders. So there's a lot of expectation around the club. You know, it needs to balance out
0: a bit. Yeah, club wants to get promoted. Simple as that. I mean, if you think about it, since the I mean, the first game, between the first game and the second game, i starting 11 you know, Warprouse left, and then between the second game and the third game, we had two injuries to Smallbone and Alcaraz. And then you look at what's on the bench, you know, in certain areas, and just think, mm. that ain't that ain't enough going forward. So I think even if even if Chay Adams stays, they need to be looking at another striker, mm. and they certainly need to be looking at another centre back because the way that the bookings are getting handed out, I know Jack Stevens has been booked three times, three games. Mm. Um so Nathan Teller as well, I think. Nathan yeah, I so so the chances are I, I assume the disciplinary code is the same in that it's five mm-hmm. games and then you miss a couple or whatever it is. So you gotta think with um with Jack Stevens and Bednarak, I think Bednarak has been booked twice. Mm-hmm. So two centre backs I mean, imagine those two missing for the same game. Lianka's in and you've got Lianko yeah, and Shai Charles. Things, they you? say they've got
5: four centre-backs, but as far as I'm concerned, if Lianca is one of the four, you, you haven't got four centre-backs that you can rely on. <laughs> three, three and I and a don't quarter. mean to be harsh to him, but you, you you can't rely on him, can you?
0: Yeah, so then they need to do something. And, you know, then there's a bit of pressure on um, Jason Wilcox and whoever you know else is on the transfer committee because at the end of the day, it's a lot easier to sell players than it is to buy them. Because, mm. you know, if you want to break it down selling players you say no until they just keep saying no until they offer enough money and and then you say yes signing players is different if you look at it we've signed Shay Charles and Jason Wilcox will have known all the all the yeah. people involved in that including mm-hmm. the player probably knew probably knew the agent mm-hmm. knows Man City so he knew everything about that one and Ryan Manning was a free transfer so and Russell Martin knew yeah, yeah, who Russell Russ Martin knew, and it's just a case of settling, you know, settling on the wages there. Mm. So, you know, they they still have a lot to prove in the next ten days, whatever it is, mm. to to get people over the line who are a going to make the team better and and b not not bankrupt us. I mean, you you got to remember mm. as well that even though we've brought in hundred and forty million or whatever it is there's a big black hole through getting mm-hmm. relegated. So mm-hmm. they're not going to spend £140 million. I think that would be virtually And we don't expect them to do. to do that, do we? I no. mean, it's no. to be realistic. Yeah. But also there's a couple of players as well. There's still question marks over him. Cameldeen Suleiman, a guy obviously doesn't want to play. Mm. He's got one of those Salasu injuries by the sound of <laughs> it. He's, he's not really injured. Belakotchap. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah Belakotchap is another one with a question mark over him. I mean, obviously, if, he, if he's still here, you would hope he'd get his head down and at least... That's an extra centre half until January.
5: There's a place in the team for him as well. He will take Ednerick's place for sure.
0: Yeah, and then you got you got Tall Paul as well. Who you know, (laughs) I feel sorry for because he's never, he's never been. You know, we've never tried to play a way that suits him. We definitely won't under Martin, will we? No, No. you know. And whilst I don't think he's he's up he's up to the job, I do I do feel a bit sorry for the guy. You know, what's going to happen there? I can see him leaving on loan. Right at the end of the, um, mm. right mm. at the end of the window, sort of thing. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, there's there's some work to be done. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, interesting like couple of weeks ahead. ahead. What Mr yeah. Wilcox has up his sleeve? Yeah,
5: I would say the one thing I would add is that Russell Martin did say when when asked, "You know, will you get one or two signings in?" He straight away said, "We'll get more than that." I think we'll get more. Yeah. Than- 3, so he, he thinks there'll be three at least. <laughs> so, yeah. Is, that,
0: yeah, we'll is that? I mean, we we've been linked with a uh, Joel Perot from Swansea, obviously, for a while, but apparently he's just signed a new contract. So yes, but apparently,
2: mm. I mean, I've not actually seen any confirmation of that. Yeah. But also from what I've heard, that new contract comes with a release clause.
4: But, sure, but surely you're not going to sign a new contract and then go three days later with a release clause, are you? It doesn't right, it say a lot, but... Well, well it garan- yeah. guarantees, What's space? guarantees
2: money, doesn't it? I mean, tree, Swan- tree. The way Swansea's finances have been run by those Americans has been a, a little bit strange hmm. over over the, over the last few years. So, yeah. possible
4: there we go well just to finish up the last question um, I just wanted to briefly get your reflection Steve on um, Theo Walcott. of course he announced his um, retirement on Friday 550 games 47 England caps obviously we spoke about him uh, a fair bit over the last couple of years Um, from his debut in 2005 to his last game at St Mary's the four draw even an assist Um, I suppose nice in a way that he could kind of get out on his own terms and that he started the journey at Saints and finished the journey at Saints we didn't see him go to Stevenage or somewhere like that
2: yeah I mean I think with Theo it was I mean as you say, it's probably every kind of every player's dream to be able to retire on their own terms and mm. do and do so when they're kind of satisfied that they've that they've done done all they want to. I mean you see a lot of a lot of sort of journeyman players um just drifting down the leagues and kind of getting gradually more fed up that they're playing alongside players who frankly aren't anywhere near as mm. good as them. And yeah, I mean we heard Theo was supposedly training with Reading in the summer, but I don't think that was anything ever likely to be um, anything serious. I mean, to be honest, given his performances back end of last season, he could still do a job, whether that's for, for us in the championship or whether that was for some team in lower, lower end of premier league or, or in the championship there, there could, there were, I'm sure there would have been options for him, Mm. but I think it's absolutely fair that, that he's, he's taken the decision. Nope. I'm, I, I think I've done what I, what I set out to do and, and, yep, yeah, that's that's me done. I can now chill and not, not worry too much about the the um, about the creaking bones
4: and getting booted up in the air anymore. Indeed. Well, I did just want to say as well, um, a quick good luck to the women's team. Obviously, they start their uh, new season in the Championship next week. I'm sure Martin and the guys will be talking about that over the, the coming weeks. They beat Aston Villa yesterday in the uh, last pre-season game, which was a great result given there in the Women's Super League. So good luck to them. But uh, on that note, we're uh, finished for this week. Don't forget that you can follow total saints podcast on facebook and twitter it's at total saints pod we're also fairly new to instagram and threads where our username is at total saints podcast if you're a youtube user then don't forget to subscribe to the tsp channel and be the first to see all our latest videos and finally as i mentioned at the start we're also on patreon where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution just visit patreon.com which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n slash total saints podcast we have four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. Each of our tiers comes with its own perks, including weekly shout-outs for those patrons in our Francis Benali and Mick Shannon tiers. So thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Andy Hollis, Matt Hall, Anthony Thompson, Saints in Exile and Gavin Ford, of course, in the Francis Bernali tier. And thanks to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Kingston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed in our Mick Shannon tier. Thank you to all of you for watching and or listening. Also to Steve, Glenn, Alfie and Ben for their thoughts. And we'll see you all again next week.
3: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.